the man who does this, the man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuch, eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and who hold fast to my covenant, to them I give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name, better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them, beside those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, beginning at verse 10, on page 989 in the Church Bibles. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, send your Son's Holy Spirit now upon us. Your son came into your house to purify and cleanse and open the doors again to all that everybody might find there the place of your presence, the house of prayer for all nations. Lord, would you cast out all barriers, open all doors to allow everyone in now, all hearts, into your presence. Would you keep us safe? Amen. That prayer will become more obvious as the talk goes on. If you think that I'm just, I just like to be the center of attention, all I can plead in my defense is Jesus made a much bigger scene than I ever had. <laughs> At nine o'clock, I did this with a cassock on, and this is much easier.
This is a great view from up here. Look, I'm nearly as I can see Elaine hiding away behind a pillar, behind a, a pew. I can see you guys from a completely different perspective. I can see people I've never seen before. That's great. So I can see a few uh, empty chairs. I see a lot, of, ooh, a lot of dust up there. Oh, that's a good job we've got a new caretaker. I'll take some notes. I can see some things that, oh, I can see a treasure up there. Who's, uh, who, that's good, because I can see quite a few things I need to tell him about from up here. Vision is about seeing the present from a completely different perspective and therefore gaining a picture of the future which can be completely different to today. We long to know, don't we, that the future can be different, that tomorrow can be better than today. And Jesus agrees with us because that's what he wants for his church. He wants his church to be a place where anyone who comes in can find a tomorrow that's better than today. So what we're opening our heart to this morning is the possibility that God has a vision for us, a picture of a future that's different and better to today. So the PCC, our leadership, has been working really hard over the summer on the possibility of a, an exciting new vision that will guide our future over the next few years. And um, look, here they are working away on a uh, flip chart. They've got very excited um, about a new vision slogan, a new, new um, vision statement. Here it is. Jesus love transforming lives from the heart of Sansi. Jesus love transforming lives from the heart of Sansi. And then with a strap line, loving Jesus, loving Sansi. Jesus love transforming lives from the heart of Sansi. Loving Jesus, loving Sansi. So everything, we, everything that we attempt, everything that we seek for, yearn for, everything that we do begins with Jesus' love. It can't begin anywhere else because only Jesus' love creates the power to change the world. Only Jesus' love is the power to heal the world. Only Jesus' love makes the possibility of opening God's presence to all. It's Jesus' love at work in us. And as we open our hearts to Jesus' love, as we begin to love him, as we find our love for others ignited by him, so he starts to pour his love through us and to transform lives around us. And that's what we want to see, isn't it? We want to see lives that are changed, that are different, that are unlocked, unleashed, transformed. From here, from the heartbeat of God, from our hearts, from the heart of Sea, but not just remaining here amongst us in our heart, not just remaining in Sea, but spreading out, pulsating out across the city, across Portsmouth, across Hampshire, across the kingdom of, of wherever we are, United Kingdom, across the world. Jesus' love, transforming lives, starting here from the heart of Sea and moving out into the world. Loving Jesus, loving Sansi. And the vision that we've got, that we've been reaching after, still has at its core what we've been saying for the last years, that we need to grow in numbers and in impact on those around us so that God's love can touch their lives, the lives of so many thousands who don't yet know that Jesus loves them, who don't yet know that Jesus longs to reach out, to touch them with healing and with significance and with purpose and with blessing and draw them into the communion of his joy. And it's still based around our five-fold call of God in worship and fellowship and discipleship, ministry and witness. But for each of those, the PCC is, 
is trying to articulate a big, scary goal that will, that will really excite and exhilarate and invigorate us and ignite us, that we'll want to reach out for, but we'll be just out of reach, and we'll really have to stretch and strain for and throw everything at in order to... all out of us, everything that we can do. And they've thought of some things like a school for discipleship and leadership, um, the possibility of uh, becoming a beacon, resourcing church for others, a center to strengthen marriage and family life, <coughs> identifying and meeting some serious need in Southsea, maybe opening a hospital, planting congregations where God has called us to do that, to reach out and see a new, new touch that God is having, that to plant new congregations in their church, to see churches growing and growing in the kingdom of God. The preaching of the ordinary of this building, that size, seems a bit out of reach, although it's slightly closer Uh, easily, pretty relaxed when I did it because I knew that the foundation below me is strong and well built and secure and I've been walking on it for the last uh, I don't know, six months or a year and I feel very secure on this dance. And the PCC are really clear that we need a strong, secure foundation if we want to build a big vision for God. Just as we need big, strong, secure foundations for a big building, and indeed for a tall ladder. Now we can build on all sorts of foundations. Some foundations aren't that inherently strong. We could build on self-confidence. And we could build on top of that Good intentions. And on top of that, we could lay enthusiasm and energy. And on that, we could have some good ideas. And then we end up with what we actually do. So here is the plan for the next five years built on good intentions. Oh, that's mucky. I better do it the other way around just to demonstrate how very unpleasant this is going to be. Okay, so I've got, what did I have? I've got uh, self-confidence and uh, good intentions and I've got um, energy and I've got, what else was there? Um, good ideas and finally what we end up doing. Okay, there we go. And so then we try and do what we're going to do next year, okay? For the next five years. I want to tell you there are better ways of doing this. And as the man at the top, I want us to do the best we can with our foundation. Okay, there are other ways. We could build. With confidence in the God Almighty, the creator of the world. Worship. With that, we could lay the foundation of compassionate intercession, love for all those that God has put around us. 
With that foundation, we could lay the foundation of sacrifice. Not just whatever energy we happen to be able to dredge up, but committed, resolute, ongoing sacrifice. And on that, I've got my dense dimensions correct, we can build the vision that God calls us Speak for us all, Rosie. So RPCC want us to build this big vision that God has for us, reaching out for what God wants for us to do in Southsea and in Portsmouth, to change, transform, to be, um, what, what did I say? To see Jesus' love transforming lives from the heart of Southsea they want to see this built on a foundation of worship and prayer and sacrifice. And so the only vision goal they're yet prepared to release to us is the first one, the one that keys in with the first of our five key areas. And that is to see us, over the next five years, becoming a contemporary house of worship and prayer for Portsmouth becoming a contemporary house of worship and prayer for Portsmouth. What does that mean? Becoming, okay, well, we all do already worship and pray, I guess, but Jesus wants worship and prayer for us to become more and more central and core and foundational for all that we do as a congregation, but also for us in our individual lives at home and at work and amongst our relatives, and in our neighborhood, and in our hobbies and leisure time, and in our spiritual life, for prayer and worship to become core. Contemporary, okay? It has to be said, and I feel this tension in myself as the middle generation, that my son and my father worship God in completely different ways. We have to reach out to the new generations that are growing up around us. Culture is changing all the time. God does not change. But how people express and understand and
Syrian refugees at the moment. It will split it between Tier Fund, who are working in Europe for Syrian refugees coming in, and between Open Doors, who are working in Syria for Christians who are staying there, daring to continue working with displaced people in their own country. I know St. Simon's are acting as a collection center. If you uh, want to find out what they're collecting, ask at the office. I know that individuals here are thinking of ways in which they can practically help. Uh, Fran, I think, has lent his trailer to take stuff over. Um, somebody else I heard was suggesting opening their home to uh, receive unaccompanied minors. However you choose to respond practically, our primary call in the face of such overwhelming and unstoppable need is to pray for them. And we can all do that. We can all pray for a miracle in Syria, amongst their leaders, in their communities, for them as they travel, that they will find homes of peace and joy somewhere in the world. And above all, that they will find the welcome of Jesus in his house of prayer for all nations. The other thing I was going to say for Jesus' children is that this has been the core of our, our vision for children's ministry for the whole 160 odd years that we have been a church, a congregation. We have always been working with children. Always. We started off year two of this church, church's existence. We built a school. Ten years later, we built another school. Sometime later, we founded a nursery. Fifty years ago, we moved the school from its rubbish premises here to much better premises over by the cathedral. Fifty years ago, indeed, in October. And in October, in recognition of that, as a church, we will give 300-odd Bibles to the children at the school to, to strengthen their prayer and worship. Modern Bibles in, uh, you know, more attractive for them to read and, and, to, and, and to use themselves. Later on in the year, I'll be putting out an appeal when we've figure, figured out a good way of making a longer-term impact on the prayer life and worship life of the school. When I do that, I'll bring that back to you. And uh, those of you particularly who have been members of St. Jude's uh, school in one place or another, or have been affected in your family by it, have been uh, blessed through its ministry, maybe you will care to make an investment in its future, in future generations of Jesus' children. Remembering what Jesus said, that from the lips of children and infants, God has ordained praise. Well, building solid foundations for our vision is obviously going to present us with some financial challenges. Here at St. Jude's, what we've been seeking to do over this last year is to re-strengthen the core of our staff team. You will have followed with me. Uh, you will have followed on the frowns of my brow the way in which our, uh, our staff team has slowly been, um, uh, has slowly um, moved on into other roles and places and ministries and um, more and more of the collective ministry and leadership of the staff team, the work of the team, has been borne by fewer and fewer people. It's not quite true to say that never in the field of human conflict has so much been borne by so little. But for the two or three of us remaining, it started to feel that way. But things have started to change. We've started to rebuild the foundations of our staff team. Firstly, we raised the, um, the giving, the funds. Thank you so much for the appointment of Andy, our operations manager, and he has brought stability to the office. Now, the diocese has offered 
in generosity and in recognition of what we are doing to invest in us half of the, the stipend, the cost of an associate vicar to work with Andy and myself and also the housing for that person. And so we've appointed Shitesh Patel, who's going to be joining us in November, in a couple of months' time, and how exciting that will be. And we'll start to talk from next week, the week after that, about how we're going to plan for his arrival. But with, oh, this is nice, with Jitesh and Andy and I, we've got a nice tripod um, foundation for the staff team that we then rebuild from that. And we're going to be building more staff team over the next few years, over the next five years, to create the strength for the kind of ministry that this vision will be calling out of us. But to do that continues to require financial uh, resource and therefore sacrifice from us. So for Jitesh, half of his salary and, and his, all his accommodation costs are being paid by the diocese, but we have to find the other half. That's going to be hard. Beyond that, we need to uh, replace Sarah's work in the office, and we're planning to um, we're planning to uh, recruit for um, a uh, a part-time, uh, more than half-time, administrative coordinator, which we hope over the next year will become full-time, so that Andy has the full support in the office, so that he can go on growing the work of the office to support the ministry of the church. And beyond that, of, co of course, we need to grow the children, youth, and family ministry. And m mo most importantly next, we need to build up the music and the prayer ministry of the church. And so we'll be looking for people who can help us to do that effectively. Remember, as you go to the crash, that you are welcome in God's house, in whichever room of it you find yourself. So, I just want to encourage you in a couple of ways before we finish. The first is to say that on Wednesday, I was listening to Steve Chalk. Now, if you ever go and hear Steve Chalk, you always hear the story of how he became a Christian, which involves chasing a girl to one church discovering that she had no interest in him because he was a year younger than her. Duh. But at 14, that's quite hard to understand. And then finding that actually God was more important and had a bigger plan for his life. But the story he went on to tell us on Wednesday was so exciting. It was the story of his arriving in a church in London that was run down had a congregation of eight elderly people uh, in the Waterloo area of London and was making no difference to the community around it. He told a very funny story of his first Sunday there. It's too long for me to tell you. You'll just have to go and hear him. But he brought before them the possibility that God might see them, those eight elderly people, and their community in a completely different way to the way they saw themselves. And as a result, over the course of the next 12 years, not only has the church grown from eight to many hundreds, but it has renovated, it has bought, it has rebuilt, it has regenerated, it has recreated, it has um, taken over and enheartened schools and playgrounds and health centers and community spaces. And the whole area around is being transformed by the family of God at work in his world. If God can do it through eight elderly people, God can certainly do it through you guys, through us. Twelve years? Why not five? God has a plan for you, and it's way bigger than all we might ask 
or imagine because God is the God who is bigger than everything that we know. The other little story I want to share with you is the story of an ordinary person. It's just an ordinary person like you. He's called Bob. Bob's an insurance salesman. Bob became a Christian, so his life changed. He was discovering a whole lot of new things. His life was turned upside down because he was discovering things about the world he didn't know before. And one of the things he discovers as he read the Bible with others was that God answers prayer. And this was astonishing to Bob because he'd never really thought that that was the case or could be, make a difference to him or to his world. So he was speaking to his friend and saying, is this really true? If I ask God for something, will he do it? And um, his friend said, well, yeah, obviously there's some context here. You know, you have to ask the right kinds of things that God wants to do, and you have to, you have to do it in ways that, you know, God will bless. But yes, if you ask God to do something, God will and can do it. So he said, cool. So his friend, who is very creative, said, I tell you what, I bet you $500 that if you pray every day for six months, by the end, you will have experienced a miracle. If you pray every day for six months for a miracle, you will have experienced one. So, so the deal is this, you pray every day, if you get a miracle, you pay me $500. If you don't, sorry, get a miracle, if you don't experience a miracle, I pay you $500. And if you don't pray every day, the bet's off. Okay. So, Bob goes, well, okay. So he starts to pray for a miracle. He starts to pray for Africa, but that seems a bit big. So he narrows it down to Kenya. He's never been to Kenya, doesn't know anything about Kenya, but he prays every day for Kenya for a miracle. And of course, because he's praying for Kenya, he starts to get interested in Kenya, and he, he discovers things about Kenya. But after two months, still absolutely no sign of a miracle. Okay, fine, he's thinking, that's okay, he's got money coming in. A little bit later on, perhaps into his third month, he finds himself at a sort of company do, at a, a dinner, and he's sitting next to a lady who, it turns out, runs the largest orphanage in Kenya. So his antennae are up, he's quite interested, he pl plugs a, a, you know, lot, lots of questions, and uh, she's really sort of taken with his interest, so she invites him to, to come and visit the orphanage in Kenya. So he agrees to do that, delighted to do that, goes along to the orphanage, where he is so horrified and shocked by what he sees that as soon as he comes back, he starts writing to all the pharmaceutical companies that he works with, saying to them, guys, you throw away so much stuff which we know is perfectly good, but is past its sell-by date, or is, you know, for one reason or another, you can't use in this marketplace. But you could use in Africa, in this orphanage, and they have nothing. And what you've got would be better than the nothing that they have. And some of those companies respond, and they send medical equipment, so much, in fact, to this orphanage, that it comes into millions of pounds. So Bob gets sent an invitation to go out to Kenya, to the orphanage, to a celebration, to uh, you know, a thanksgiving for all of these good things that have arrived on the orphanage doorstep. So he goes to the celebration. And at the celebration, he, so we're about week, sorry, about month four now, he meets the president of Kenya. And the president of Kenya thanks him. This is what, I'm not sure what I did, but you know, my pleasure. And the president says, let me show you around the city. 
So the president takes him around the city and shows him various you know, sites that they're proud of, and then takes him to the prison and shows him the prison. Bob looks around the prison. He sees one group of prisoners, and he says, what are those group of prisoners then? And the president says, oh, they're political prisoners. And Bob brightly says, oh, that's not a good idea. You should release them. There's a bit of a scowl from the president. And anyway, the tour goes on and finishes, and Bob returns home. A few weeks later, Bob re receives a phone call. And it's from the US uh, Foreign Office. What's it called? The Secretary of State for... Secretary of State, thank you. That's right. It's from his department. And the voice says, uh, are you Bob? He says, yes. <laughs> Who's asking? The Secretary of State. That's not comforting. Um, have you been to Kenya recently? Yes. Did you speak to the president? Yes. Think I'm in real trouble. Did you speak to the president about political prisoners? He thought, cripes. <laughs> yes. So, what did he? What did you say to him? I said he should let them go. There's a pause, and the voice on the other end says, "We've been working to release those po political prisoners for about two years now, and have got absolutely nowhere." Well, they've just been released, and the president says we ought to thank Bob. So we've rung up to thank you. Sometime later, Bob received a phone call from the president of Kenya to say that he was just about to reorder his cabinet and he wanted Bob to fly over for three days to pray for him whilst he went through the process of reorganization. Six months, one man an ordinary man praying for a miracle. Now God is prepared to use. This is no, this is no scientific trial. This is a relationship between God, our Heavenly Father, and us in his house of prayer. God is prepared to hear our hearts and work with our longings and answer our prayers. So this Vision Sunday, as we prepare for our response day next week, I guess I'm bringing the needs of our congregation before you to build a strong foundation for whatever vision God may have for us. And for that, we need resources, we need finances. And you'll read all about that in the brochure, excuse me, Rosie, that I'm sure you've all received. Please read this carefully and pray and ask God what he might be calling you to do and to release this time. There are things that we need for this year, but above all, as always, we need to expand and increase our ongoing giving, which means sacrifice for us all um, in an ongoing way. But above all, I am calling you into worship and prayer. Will you take up a challenge with me? Maybe the six-month prayer for a miracle challenge. Or maybe to join one of the many prayer opportunities that there already are and more of, there will be more of in the coming year. As Jit arrives and joins us, later on his tasks will involve some of the other scary uh, goal, uh, mission goals. Uh, he's particularly equipped to help us think about um, church planting. And the diocese have told us there are going to be some great opportunities for that over the next couple of years. But his first task with me and with Andy will be to call us as a congregation, as house groups, as teams, as individuals, as a whole community into prayer and into worship. Will you join us in that? And then we can build a foundation strong enough to support the weight of whatever it is that God calls us to build for him.
Will you join us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can do nothing without you. Would you build in our lives as individuals and as a congregation the foundations of worship of you, glorious in majesty, of compassionate intercession, sharing your heart of love for your needy world and sacrifice just as your son sacrificed himself on the cross for us. Would you then raise up a huge, big, scary vision so that we can see this community and this nation in a new way and make a whole new impact on us? And then would you allow us to climb to the top of that vision and plant the projects and the programs and the relationships to sow the seeds of love and transformation. That we'll see from the heart of the heart of Christ's love, transforming lives from the heart of South Sea out into the world. May we love you and love South Sea and have the joy of seeing your love flowing out through us into the world. Amen. I think you should carry on amongst yourselves. <laughs> Once one is up on a vision, it's quite hard to come down again. Stephen. Oh, yes, okay, let's pray. <laughs> That's a very good idea. Brilliant, wonderful. Wow, let's pray to the God of miracles. That's exciting, isn't it? Um, responses today, I'd love to use Psalm 22. It's very easy, verse 28. Um, if you want to look it up, page 555. For the kingdom or as the NIV says, the dominion is the Lord's. And if you would reply, and he rules over the nations. We're going to pray for the refugee crisis and the roots of that. He rules. God rules. Let's open the doors to his kingdom to come in more and more. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you that the kingdom is yours and that you rule over the nations. And not only that, you have solutions to all the problems faced by every re refugee, as well as for the root causes and the huge political and social issues facing the Middle East and Europe at the moment. And Lord, you say in Psalm 34 that the righteous cry out and that you hear them, and you deliver them from all their troubles. Thank you, Lord. So we pray now for those who are fleeing on such desperate and dangerous journeys. Lord, we pray for your protection and your safety while they're at sea and when they're on land. We pray too, we must pray for those people traffickers, Lord, and we ask that you would cause a darkness and a confusion to come upon their activities and that you would expose and thwart them. But Lord, we want to pray too for the traffickers themselves that they would come to meet and know you as their Lord and their Saviour. Leviticus 19, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself. Lord, we pray that our primary reaction to refugees would always be love and not fear and that we'd always love the one in front of us regardless of their background or their status. Lord, we bless all the refugees in this city. And we also bless all the aid going out from this city to Calais and very soon further afield to Greece and to Macedonia. Our mission prayers today are for Tear Fund, Lord, working with churches across Europe to provide care and support. Lord, we pray for Tear Fund. We pray too for all those hard-pressed agencies and churches working at the borders, working throughout parts of continental Europe as they seek to deal with this massive influx of people. Lord, we ask that you would empower them, you protect them, you would give them the energy and the resources to respond well and effectively to all those they come across. 
And Lord Jesus, you fed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish. You're doing exactly the same today. So God, we pray that those food packages would be multiplied. We pray the same for medications, for fresh water, for clothes, for blankets, for shelter. And I think God wants us to pray this over every refugee. Revelation 21. This verse is, is the open door for so many miracles. You make all things new, Lord. So we pray this over each refugee. We pray for safe havens and healing after all that trauma. And we pray for restoration and new life ahead. For the kingdom is the Lord's. Let's say together, he rules over the nations. We pray for the root causes of this crisis, Lord. The large majority of the 137,000 people who crossed the Med during the first half of this year were fleeing from war, conflict, or persecution. They're coming here for safety. So, God, we pray for those in authority, those who make policy, that they would have wisdom and compassion to handle this complex and difficult situation with grace and with mercy. We pray for Joseph's and Daniel's to be alongside all leaders, that they would seek and hear you, these people, Lord, and that you would download your policies and your solutions to them, and that they would then be well-received and implemented. Lord, we must pray in particular for Jean-Claude Juncker, Alexis Tsipras, Matteo Renzi, Victor Orban, Angela Merkel, as well as David Cameron and the government here. God, we also pray for the problems of violence, poverty, inequality, and injustice, that these are solved in the countries of origin, and that there will be some major changes in countries like Syria, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Eritrea, Afghanistan. The list goes on, Lord. We pray for an injection of your kingdom of reconciliation, of truth, of peace and justice, right into the roots of these problems, right now, God. Because the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. Let's pray for St. Jude's and our vision day. Lord, thank you that your house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Count us in, Lord. Count us in. Draw us individually and corporately deeper into that place of worship and prayer, into that place of a daily one-on-one encounter with you and your precious presence because you are our lord and our king and you have the answer to every situation that we are facing and every situation or need or problem in this city and god we want to see your love your power and hope your restoration and healing and your transformation and purpose fill us all here at st jude's and out into portsmouth and Southsea and further afield Thank you for all the nations and people groups represented here among us. And Lord, would you cause more bridges to be built between us all? Thank you for how you're clarifying and sharpening our vision and for Jitesh Patel coming to us in a couple of months. Lord, we pray for him that you would equip and prepare him for all that you've got planned. For the kingdom is the Lord's and together he rules over the nations. Your house is to be called a house of prayer. And then the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Thank you, Jesus, that you love to heal and to restore. And we just speak that over those known to us as a church and those whom we know personally, lifting to you particularly David Gorman, Elaine Gilbert, Jeanette Hayward, Evelyn Burt, who's just had a massive stroke. We speak your healing and your shalom peace over each one. We say, cancer, go, get out. We pray too for healing and strength for those who've been recently bereaved, thinking of the family and friends, especially of Fred Kerr and Sean Healy. And in a moment of quiet... Jesus is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. 
Let's just spend a moment of silence asking him what he's interceding for each one of us. He's interceding for each one of us right now. What is he saying? Or if you would prefer, there's a verse up from Romans 8, 38 and 39. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's just spend a minute listening to what Jesus is interceding for each one of us. And then we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. Thank you, Lord. Let's join together with the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, 